Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast. This podcast is for leaders in the social sector like you who want to make a difference. Each episode is packed with practical ideas on how you can be more innovative and create an even bigger social impact. We share our ideas on what you can do and also speak to leaders from the sector to share best practice. So let's get into it and let's talk impact. Welcome to the Innovate for Impact podcast here with Tracy Newman and as always I'm joined by my good friend Dan Bentley and today we're really happy to be joined by Kat Decker from Give Industries. So welcome Kat. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this chat with you both. Ah, we're really excited to have this chat too, but we would always like to start with acknowledging. So I record here in Adelaide, so I'd like to acknowledge the Ghana as custodians of the Adelaide region and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. And I'm up in Sydney, so I'm on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Aura Nations, and I'd like to pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. I'm chatting to you from Brisbane, um, which is the lands of the Yaga and the Terrible people. And again, yeah, add my acknowledgements to elders past, present and emerging. It's it's a great place to, you know, create and work and be part of that community. Great. So we did indicate earlier that we were really happy to have you talking to us today and would love you to sort of start off by telling us a little bit more about who you are and what it is that you do, Kat. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, my name's Kat Decker. I'm one of the founders of Give Industries. So Give Industries is a social enterprise up here in Brisbane And we trade as commercial electricians and we like to say that we are electricians giving 100%. So that speaks to a few of the ways we work. We give 100% of our clients. We offer great service and quality of work. But the key point of difference is that we also give 100% when it comes to our profits. All profits generated by our services are donated to our charity partners, which are charities sparking real change in the world. So, yeah, that's that's up in a nutshell. Was that sparking thing an el- electrician joke there as well? Or? We do like our puns, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I should who gives a crap have all the fun when it comes to puns. Exactly, exactly, yes. No, there's, yeah, it is sparking change and lighting up the world. We really enjoy leaning into that. that love it. Yeah, it's love so it. good. Which is quite interesting because I think people are used to, I guess, the social enterprise model when it comes to products, you know, mentioned who gives a crap, there's thank you, et cetera. And I think we're more and more familiar with social enterprises in terms of employment models, but I've not really heard of a social enterprise that works as an electrician or like, is that something new or is that, have I been living under a rock? (laughs) No, you haven't, Tracy. We are, as far as we know, the only company operating the way we are, which, you know, commercial trades services with that profit donation model. When we founded about five years ago, we saw those fantastic examples like Thank You and Who Gives a Crap. Humanitics is another organization that we just have so much respect for and thought we'd give it a go doing it in this industry. So one of my co-founders, being an electrician, it was the industry that made the most sense for us to explore in. And I guess the other point of difference that we enjoy exploring is that for so many of those social enterprises that you know, they offer individual consumers a chance to do good with their money. So it's, you know, your home toilet paper, your home hand wash, you know, your personal ticketing. But in the industry we work with, we're offering companies the chance to do good with their spending, which... It's exciting and a little bit different in the challenges it involves. 
Yeah, I imagine it is. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you started because your model is quite interesting. So yeah, do you want to just sort of take us back to the beginning? How did you how did you start? Yeah, for sure. So Give Industries has been around since late 2018 is when we founded and registered, but we've been trading since early 2019. So I'm one of three co-founders. I started um, the organization with my partner Calvin and our good friend Jeremy. And our origin story just kind of happened over a couple of years of beers and rock climbing and coffees and talking about the ways in which the three of us had a passion for making the world a little bit better. I, I think in our own different ways, all three of us have been trying to answer that question in our adult lives. I, I spent a number of years working in creative arts as a using that as a, a tool for social change, working in nonprofit community organizations as well. Jeremy's an environmental scientist and he's been very focused on environmental sustainability and, and kind of improving the, the health of our planet. And Calvin, for a number of years, has been interested in, in using finances, using donations as a tool for really high impact. And so those three personalities, histories and kind of passions got together and, and the end result was give industries. You know, how do we take the things we know, the skills we have and create something that, that hopefully does a lot of good in the world and helps solve the problems that we can see? Yeah. One of the things, you know, we obviously chatted earlier and one of the things that I was really excited about is that, yes, you have this social impact model and you're you're really interested in using donations to make the world a better place, but you've really gone through the way that you've set up Give Industries quite comprehensively to kind of hit a multitude of different options and opportunities as well. So I guess the first place that makes sense is the sustainability piece. Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, one of our founders is an environmental scientist and so sustainability was part of the conversation from the very beginning. One of the exciting things about working in the electrical sector is that there's so much just with the direct trades work we do that can be part of that journey towards sustainability. Um, LED lighting upgrades or motion sensors or efficient plans going into the design at the beginning of a construction project. All of that stuff can just be baked into our business as usual, but go a really long way for our clients in their sustainability journey. Things like EV and solar and all of that is obviously part of the electrical industry as well. And I do see our sector, the electrical trades, as being just a huge player in the big changes we're going to have to make as a society over the next little while as we tackle climate change. On a kind of internal level as well, we do a lot around our waste management and practices. The construction industry is pretty atrocious when it comes to generating waste. And so we try in our small way to be an example for the people we're working with around reusing, recycling, repurposing, partnering where we can with organisations that have need of the items that we're um, kind of stripping out if we're, if we're doing a defit, for example, yeah, just really encouraging conversations around where we can kind of hit pause on this mass consumerism in the industry or are there alternate ways to build a more sustainable um, model into it. So stuff we get really excited about in addition to, to the donations for, for sure. And I suppose the other thing that we've done from the beginning is compensate where we can't reduce. So we, um, we partner with Carbon Neutral Australia to track and then purchase carb carbon offsets for our emissions so one of the things we realised as we were building this company is that 
you can't have a company that is trying to do good with its finances and do bad in the way it treats its employees and the way it treats the environment. So for us, for one, it doesn't build confidence. Our clients, if they see that we're saying all this stuff without our ethics and then our practices that are visible are really unethical, that makes no sense. But it also doesn't align with the people who work here and, and what makes us happy. So yeah, in all the spaces that we can try and strive for better, that's a big part of what we do. Yeah, I remember when we first caught up and we were talking about this, I just I never thought the role that electricians are playing in the change to sustainable technology. I never joined those two things. Was that something that from the early days that you also saw or was this something that has sort of more developed as you sort of got into doing this type of work and realised how important the role that you played was? Uh, it's been a little bit of both, Dan. So, we always knew that we had the skills and opportunity to be kind of a piece for change in the picture of the kind of construction sector. There's so many moving parts and often, you know, we're one trade amongst Annie working for a client, who's working for a client, who's working for a client. So our ability to influence is is sometimes limited across the the whole cohort that is on a particular project. But we always knew that our particular part was what we could control from the beginning, you know, our own practices on site and off site. And then what's been really exciting as we grow and as we kind of are working more directly with some clients who are making those decisions, we're able to be offering this advice and then building that into, yeah, into the planning of the project at, at an earlier stage. One thing that it's early days, but we're excited to work with is having conversations with clients and suppliers around the way we do lighting in commercial tenancies. So I'm not sure if this is something that you, you either of you really know much about, but for commercial tenancies that have a high turnover of, you know, a, a retail brand might only be in there for 12 months. Often what happens is relatively short-term lighting is installed everything's designed and fit out, the tenant moves in, and then when they leave, it's all stripped out, thrown away and started again. And so we see that norm as something we'd love to work as part of a community to fix. So lighting as a subscription or lighting is kind of a modular situation where, you know, a new tenant moves in and they can still change it and make it their own branding and styling, but it doesn't need to be with this massive refurbishment. And that's not something that we can do by ourselves. That needs to be in partners who are, who are willing to go on that journey with us. But yeah, we see yeah lots of ways of looking at the world differently. We started a company with a, a slightly unusual perspective and applying that to every part of our business gives us the opportunity, I think, to see things that, that others may not. Yeah. And how does it work? Do you have regular charity partners that you, so, you know, you, you talked to before that you give 100% of your profits, which is awesome. But how does that work? Do you have partners that you're sort of always giving to, or do you sort of rotate through a di- few different organizations? Sure. Yeah. Where we give is a key part of our identity where we talk about giving to charities, sparking real change. So for us, that means charities where we can be really confident that the impact they're having is going a long way. So we rely on the hard work done by some really clever people at external charity evaluators. Give Well is one of them and The Life You Can Save is another. And based on recommendations made by these organisations that spend a lot of time looking at data and impact and cost benefit, we then choose partners who we will commit to for generally about 12 months 
So we've had some charity partners who we've been supporting for the whole five years. One of these is the Against Malaria Foundation. As their name suggests, they work to combat malaria. Their intervention is incredibly cost-effective. It's um, supplying bed nets and the data on the ability to improve and save lives with that kind of intervention is really strong. So we've been supporting them for many years. And then at least once a year, our board will review the organisations we give to. We'll look at any changes in the charity landscape, any kind of new inventions. For example, if a malaria vaccine became really cost-effective, then that would probably change our giving. And then we will make a, a kind of commitment to that partner for a period of time. So at the moment, we donate to five organisations. Three of them are working internationally and two of them are working here in Australia. And all of them have been decided based on kind of rigorous data and evidence. One of the reasons we do that is because at this stage, we're very ambitious, but we're still relatively small. The dollars that we're able to donate right now are still limited. And so we want to make sure that we are having as much impact with those resources as we can. Yeah, well, I, I think you said it's been 2019 that you started trading. That's that's not a significant amount of time for anyone starting up any kind of business. You're still really in your infancy. So I imagine it will take a while to continue to grow. And I think when you have that commitment also to sustainability and to working differently. Sometimes that means that you grow at a more consistent rate rather than in an explosive way because you're sort of being really considered around how you do that. The other thing that I was also really interested in is your commitment to diversity and the change that you're looking to create in that space as well. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So I personally come from a career background of the creative arts and the community sector. And I think you can make assumptions about the kind of demographics working in those sectors as opposed to traditional construction trades. So for me, it's a, it was a culture shock to kind of make that jump across. And I've always been really excited about the possibility of influencing change in kind of the, the diversity of the sector. Some of it's selfish. I just, you know, really like hanging out with interesting different people um, <laughs> and you know a lot of it is data driven like we absolutely know that a diverse workforce is a more efficient profitable productive happier workforce so we've set ourselves some targets as a company so currently qualified electricians have about three percent representation of tradeswomen for us we made a commitment a, a few years back that as we take on apprentices we have allocated um, half of our apprentice positions to um, women and girls so that we can be training up more qualified women in, into our company so that that can ripple out further into the sector as well. Excellent. Thank you. And I think the other thing that I think that's really interesting is that you are sort of mentioning that you're small and that you're kind of creating the organisation that you want to with the idea that you're going to have those ripple effects later on. I think that's really inspiring for people to hear a little bit more about because you don't have to be a really large player to be able to implement some of the ideas that you're talking about today. You know, you, you've sort of built that in right from the very beginning. But if you were a more established organisation, you could, again, just start small and kind of build out from there. Because I know one of the things is that, yes, you, you know, you've made these commitments and there are things that you're working towards, but that's not kind of where you're where you're looking to end up, is it? 
Absolutely. So to give you a bit of a sense of where we started, where we are and where we're going, 2019, we had one and a half tradespeople. So, you know, a a full-time tradie and and a part-time tradie. Right now, our team is 15 people in the whole company. And we're hoping to kind of double that within the coming 12 to 18 months. So we started much smaller. We still feel small in terms of where we want to be. And for us, when we're big enough to kind of be influential in the industry, in the sector, and to normalize some of the things we're doing, um, that's when we, we feel like, yeah, we're going to be able to, to have the, the impact that we've always wanted. But even right now at the size that we are, I mean, our donations are always really gratifying to be able to look at the impact numbers and see that to date we've been able to impact the lives that we have, you know, for each person who has received the benefit of some of the work of our charity partners. We we know that that's not small for them. Um, that stuff is truly life-changing and it, it's really nice to be able to take that step back and remember. Want to improve your co-design skills and confidence? Join Tracy Newman, the co-host of this podcast and Head of Impact at Impactor Consulting for the Co-Design for Impact training program. In this training, you'll explore co-design from start to finish, learning how to understand diverse stakeholder needs and create innovative solutions. You'll also get access to the co-design workbook with essential worksheets and connect with like-minded individuals from the social sector. Act fast because this popular course fills up quickly. Secure your spot now by clicking the link in this episode's show notes or visiting impactoconsulting.com.au forward slash co-design for impact. Remember, co-design for impact is one word with no hyphens. Don't miss this chance to enhance your co-design skills. But then here in in our day-to-day work, we hear from our clients that the culture on site when our team is there does feel different. Um, That feels like like we're doing something right if people are noticing a a kind of shift in the way people interact, in, in the kinds of jokes that are told. It does feel that we may be little, but we're mighty. And we're excited to see where that can head. I think to circle back to something you referenced, Tracy, we do encourage other people not to be scared of these kind of changes and not to feel as though they need to solve it all at once. You know, that one targeted employment will affect that one person you employ, but also the rest of your team. You may not be able to change your ratios overnight to to the ideal world in terms of your staffing, but yeah, that the first step is getting you so much further than where you are now. Yeah, I think as well, you know, sometimes when we think about impact, we only think about the scale of that impact. But so often when we're doing something very different, there needs to be an amount of role modeling that needs to kind of happen at the start. And, you know, that you're doing a lot of that. You know, for example, if I was a female who wanted to be an electrician and I found out about what you're doing or one of my friends was to be hired, I start to think, oh, that's a normal thing because there's a company that's doing this and that, you know, there's, or I've seen maybe several of these, you know, that stuff makes a really big difference. Even though it may not be that we're at the ratios that we want, it does really make a big difference. And some of those other things that you spoke about too, just these conversations that you're having with these commercial companies start to be like, okay, maybe this is not that unusual. So, I think that's important to take into account as well. Let me tell you about a a nice little thing that happened in the last week. I I got an email from a woman who's had a career as a social worker that is looking for a change and she emailed and said she drove past a girl on a ladder and, like, that was enough to make her kind of stop and go, well, like she drove past someone changing a light or or something and then circled back, 
looked at the van, which says a little bit about our donations, and then spent some time Googling, read a little bit about us and reached out and would, would love to have a conversation about an apprenticeship. So I, I love that. I love that it's the visibility. You know, she wouldn't have looked twice if it was another blow couple at her. And then add that to kind of an alignment with our impact. And yeah, we're, we're having a conversation in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, and that kind of thing is, is really nice. We get that from time to time, just even at the size we are, people are, are noticing us and our van as it drives around and, and getting really excited about what it is we're trying to do. Yeah, what about some of the other trades that you're working with? Because this is quite innovative what you're doing. Are you getting some questions from the trades that you're sort of working alongside around your impact and what that's like and, you know, you're sort of sensing a bit of curiosity around that? Yeah, absolutely. The first couple of years we operated, actually, we got a bit of suspicion, like, what's the scam? What's the game? Because it was unusual, I think a lot of people, yeah, were were waiting to find out what the angle was. One of the things that we've always enjoyed is how transparent we're able to be. So we're a registered nonprofit um, with the ACNC, which means that all of our financials for the last five years are public and reviewed. And anytime anyone goes, yeah, but you're not really giving 100%, we can point them towards the books that are um, available for anyone in the world who wants to look at. It's another reason that we decided to give in real time rather than kind of growing faster, accruing more profit in the short term and then being able to give more, which was advice we got in certain different people advised us through our journey that, you know, we should give 20% so that we could grow faster, that kind of thing. But we felt like creating some runs on the board and some goodwill was really important it also is really important for the people who are receiving the dollars today, not in 10 years, that that can start making an impact now. To kind of circle back to your question about other trades, though, I think there is a perception in the trades that electricians are always kind of a little bit uh, a little bit weird anyway. And so we're just leaning hard into that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But, but I do really feel like in all seriousness on that, though, that if you did do this 20% model, if you didn't go as hard on some of these like principles and these ethics, you, you might build an organization that you don't actually want. Like you might actually attract a whole heap of people into it that are not the sort of people that you're attracting today. And I remember when we spoke off air that you sort of spoke about that you're attracting these really, you know, they're, they're people that are very open-minded. They're, they're not your average, I don't want to negatively stereotype tradies. You know, my dad's one, for example. So, you know, like, but you know, I think you're, you're attracting those more like conscious, you know, people that really do care about having that impact from that pool of tradies. So, you're sort of like building up, you know, these skills and this capability and, and you're sort of attracting those people now by doing this from the start. I'm just wondering maybe if you didn't go as hard into that, maybe you wouldn't do that and further down the track, then maybe you've got the challenge of then how do we change it like any other business is trying to do, which is obviously a lot harder. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Baking it in from the very beginning has made it a business as usual. Um, the team we've grown is a really exciting, aligned team um, who are such advocates for what we're doing. It's really nice that that has kind of self-selected. Um, we, we definitely are looking for that when we're hiring as well, seeking kind of values alignment when we're having conversations and interviews. But often we find 
that the people who apply and rock up are already halfway there because they've seen something in our organisation that they really um, are excited by. One of the excellent people in our team previously ran his own electrical company. He was kind of over it and, and wanted something different. And when he was looking for what do you do after you've run your own thing, he was really excited to find this, the idea of going and kind of just working somewhere traditional wasn't particularly appealing, but but now he's using the skills he had as a business owner to help us build this impact generating machine. Uh, so it's nice, yeah, to be a place for people like that to land and to find that thing that ignites their passion and, and their expertise. Every time you talk about the people that you work with, your face lights up and it's really contagious. Like I think I'm sort of absorbing that watching you speak and your face light up when you talk about the people that you get to work with and that whole piece. It's, it's really lovely. So even without having the opportunity to work alongside your team, I feel like I would really like them. <laughs> <laughs> They're great people. One of the reasons that is one of the things that really hits me is because it kind of feels like like a big ask, you know. It was my mate and my partner and we had this idea and at the beginning a few people looked at us like we were a bit mad and so then having it confirmed that no other people get this and I really like the other people who get this. It feels as though, yeah, we, we've got a cheer squad that understands where we're all heading and it's it's really exciting to look at the team we have now and think about where we want to be in two years and knowing that those people are going to be with us in those kind of management positions or advocacy positions or, you know, that we have our, our core with us now, it's it's really nice. Yeah. I think one of the things that's impressed me from our chats is just how many different things you're doing in the organization. Like you've talked about a few of them today, but I think we, you also are saying that you've got like a hybrid fleet and of your vehicles and you're doing stuff around discounts for people if they're wearing like vegan, the vegan boots in their work stuff. I think there's something about that. Like you're doing a lot of stuff. And I think, you know, most people listen to this podcast they would be like, yeah, I'd like to, if I'm starting something up or even I'm running something, I'd like to do all these things. But how the hell do you find the time slash get everybody on the same page slash execute these policies well? Like there must be something that I think everyone can learn from you guys there. And how have you been able to stay so true to all these things whilst just trying to run the operations? Because I, I just feel like it would be easy to go, look, stuff it. This is just too hard to go source this. Let's just do this for now and we'll come back to that. Like I feel like a lot of, I've heard, I hear a lot of people do that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think it is a journey of continuous improvement, like where we're always finding something that we could, you know, do, do in a kinder way, do in a more sustainable way. I should, for transparency's sake, say that we don't have a hybrid fleet. We have a hybrid kind of small vehicles and our vans are still diesel but they are efficient diesel and they're on their way there so yeah we have targets for evs over the coming period of time the founders of the company are all vegan and are interested in that for both sustainability and kindness reasons and encourage yeah those practices across the team where we can so yeah you you mentioned that when we're kind of providing a uniform allowance for our team um, we encourage them towards the vegan options um while still you know if those aren't available then you know we we don't get too caught up on it 
But I'm certain that, you know, next week there'll be something that I realise that we'd be doing for five years that could be done kinder or could be done more sustainably. So part of, I guess, my advice would be is be constantly on the lookout, but don't beat yourself up. You know, I think what we are pretty good at doing is implementing an idea quickly. So if something's flagged, then we try and change it in the short term. One of the commitments we have to our team is that if they raise an issue that they've noticed in the company, if it costs nothing, we'll solve it in 30 days. And if it costs something, we'll solve it in 60. And so trying to, yeah, make those kind of public commitments or commitments to, to the team and, and then honour them. I mean, yeah, for some of these things, it's it's just, as I think I said earlier in the conversation, it wouldn't feel particularly honest to do good 40% of the time and then just let the other 60% slide. But all of that in saying that, you know, someone's going to point out to me next week that I've I've gotten something wrong. And then I think we just try and be humble about fixing it. I love that commitment. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Dan's eyes light up as you said it because that's the sort of thing that we keep talking about all the time. Like that's where you get that transformation. It's not from some big thing. It's actually about tangibly changing those small things all the time and doing that consistently and then that's what creates that big change. It's kind of like that, you know, happens slowly and then all at once and it's like you chip away at it and that's how you really get that sustainable change over the long term. I can't remember where I heard this phrase recently but I really liked it. Slow is steady and steady is fast and I think I like to apply that to kind of small, you know, small can be steady and steady can be fast. So I think, yeah, you know, it's it's those micro habits, it's those, those small everydays that, that we hope really add up. Kat, we could talk to you about the things that you're doing probably for about 20 podcasts in a row. But one of the things you, you talked before about having a cheer squad. So apart from Dan and I joining your cheer squad, anybody who's listening that wants to join your cheer squad, what's the best way to be able to do that? Yeah, there's a few different things people can do. Um, you can find Give Industries on LinkedIn. Um, that's where we're active. We've got our Instagram and our Facebook, but to be honest, they're um, a little quiet. People can reach out to me. LinkedIn is the best place. It's Cat with a K and Decca with two Ks. I'd love to chat to businesses or individuals who would like to build impact of this kind into their own day-to-days. We are keen to build a community of businesses that give and to share our learnings and to support and encourage other people. So if if that's something that someone gets excited about, please reach out just via our website or hello at giveindustries.com.au. Yeah, all, all of those ways would be great. I'd, I'd love to connect. We're also um, can do electrical work. That's one of the big things we can do. So. <laughs> Alongside all that other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Particularly for people in Brisbane, um, commercial clients primarily, if, you know, you're, you're looking to um, do one of the most basic services, like everyone will need an electrician at some point in the next, you know, couple of years, I can guarantee Yeah, reach out and see if we can help you with your project. We're pushing into Melbourne in the next little while as well. So if your listeners are based in Brisbane or Melbourne, those would be the best places for us to be able to help with the actual service delivery as well. 
That sounds beautiful. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, Kat. I, I, like I said, we could hear about all of the things that you're doing forever, but I really do love that slow and steady and being humble and just continually getting on and, and always seeking ways to, to be better. And I love the terminology that you use as well about being kinder and more sustainable. I think the world could use a little bit more kindness and for all of us to be able to do that in a way that's sustainable for ourselves personally, but also our organizations and the planet is yeah really lovely but it's been so good talking to you Kat thank you so much for sharing the story of Give Industries with us here today thanks so much it's been 100% my pleasure it's been so nice lovely thank you thanks so much Kat thanks for listening to another episode of the Innovate for Impact podcast any links to what we spoke about today will be posted in the show notes if you'd like to know more about social innovation visit our website where we have a heap of tools to help you on your way visit impactoconsulting.com.au. Thanks for listening. Now go out there and make an impact.